Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called patreon.com slash BP show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Donald Trump with a full-throated endorsement of Roy Moore. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> when it comes to sexual predators, it takes one to know one. What do you say, folks? Here we are on a Tuesday, Tuesday, December 5. How about it? Great to see you today, and uh, we welcome you to the program, The Bill Press Show. As we uh, boom out to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and our studio right here on Capitol Hill with the news of the day. Uh, the Congress uh, still getting uh, trying to put together now the Senate and the House tax cuts bill, tax, tax cut bill. Uh, a little, little stumbling block in the House, but um, that's just a temporary thing. Uh, they want so badly to get a tax cut bill passed that uh, they'll work it out. They'll get it to the president's desk, and the American people are the ones who will suffer, especially next year when the tax bill comes through. And remember again, not one Democrat voted for it. When your taxes go up a couple of years from now and your tax deductions, the few that you're able to enjoy now, disappear, and you're no longer able to write off uh the interest on your home mortgage or your medical expenses or your student loan interest, uh, you know who to thank. Thank Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan and every Republican running for office. Uh, and then, yes, Donald Trump leading the Republican Party in a race now and a, and a campaign to elect Roy Moore as the next senator from Alabama, sexual predator and pedophile that he is. Oh, man, so much to talk about. So much you're going to want to comment on at BP Show. You know how to do it on Twitter, at BP Show. But first, this into is the Peter Full Court Press. Peter Hogberg. Yes, hi there. Hello, good morning. <laughs> Just a couple of other stories <laughs> making which, which news. One, which one of you had a stroke? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> wow. On air, huh? All right, so a couple weeks ago, we told you that Kevin Spacey was not going to be returning to House of Cards. Yesterday, Netflix made it official. They are going to have a final season. Yeah, that's good. I'm surprised at that. And it will star Robin Wright. Kevin Spacey will yeah. not be a part of the final season, as we previously mentioned. Uh, according to Netflix, they said, We are excited to bring closure to our fans. That is a word from Netflix content chief Ted Sarandos yesterday morning. 
Yeah, good for Robin Wright for getting a check, but uh, that's a hard pass for me on another House of Cards season. Yeah, I don't watch House of Cards. It's not for me. I, mean, it, I know it, a lot of people like it. It's not for me. Uh, it was it was at one time I thought a huge thing, but it's kind of yeah. There was like there was like yeah. House of Cards fever early on, and yeah. I think rightfully so. Hashtag was, this town. It was an interesting uh, it was an interesting series, but not anymore. It's just gotten so bad. This is I think fascinating. Yesterday, the Department of Labor under Donald Trump proposed a new or excuse me released a new proposed rule. And it works on tips. Now, this is how tip regulations work in America right now. There's tip pooling, which means that restaurants are able to pool tips that the servers make yeah. and then give them to cooks and dishwashers. They divide them up. They divide them up. That's yeah. how it's worked for a long, long time. Well, right. under this new proposed rule, as long as the tipped workers earn a minimum wage, the employer can legally pocket those tips. No. So if a cook or a dishwasher is making minimum wage, the employer can take their portion of the tips. That stinks. It's insane. Yeah. That, it's completely insane. On. And so this, of course, is the Department of Labor. This is how Donald Trump is pushing this forward. Uh, it does not require employers to distribute pooled tips to the workers. They can just go in and they can take them. And you know who will benefit from that? Yeah. Donald Trump. Sure. And every of one of his restaurants, every one of his sure. hotels. Yeah. I mean, it almost feels like he wrote this specifically for his restaurant. But just like they wrote the tax bill. He wrote the tax bill for his own tax return. TV and online. This is the Bill Press Show. I feel sorry for Michael Flynn. Yeah, that's the word from a Donald Trump. Feel sorry for him because he lied to the FBI. Yeah, right. He may have had a good career, but he ruined it. He himself ruined it. A Michael Flynn. No, no one to feel sorry for. Hello, everybody. What do you say? It is the Bill Press Show here on the Tuesday, December five. Wow, so good to see you today as we uh, start off here with our roundup of the news of the day and your opportunity to uh, tell us what it means to you on Twitter. We look forward to hearing from you on Twitter at BP Show. As we join you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show, as we join you on Free Speech TV and on the radio out in Chicago, WCPT. How are you all Chicagoans this morning? Great to see you, and great to have you with us on WCPT and on Indiana Talks in the whole state of Indiana as well. Hey, by, by the way, just a, whoa, whoa, just, yes. a quick, just a quick thing. If you do listen to us on any of those stations yes. and you aren't able to listen to the whole show, we do have our podcast up there. We put exactly. the whole show up as a podcast. Yep. Either look for it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Just look for the Bill Press Show. We've got it up right there. I, I, I mentioned on Friday when you weren't here— uh, we had another record-breaking month in November. Uh, we're looking forward to another one here in December. If you're yep, traveling, yep, just right. download a couple of shows. I know the move, <laughs> the news moves very quickly, but we cover everything in the morning, and it's the whole show is right up there for you. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Peter. And also, uh, another reminder, while we're giving out little uh, hints and instructions and 
uh, and requests is when you are listening, watching rather, online on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe. Don't that's forget right. to sign up, right? Because that counts as well. That's very important. And then you will receive updates from us all throughout the day. So shall we mention Patreon too? Sure. Why, yeah, why not? Yeah. Because we've got this uh, great little kind of documentary that we put together on the making of Bernie Sanders, uh, interviews with some of the key players in Bernie Sanders' campaign, including... Including yourself. Including, <laughs> including you. Me, thank you. Yours truly. <laughs> Nina Turner, who is one of the is now head of uh, Our Revolution, was one of the uh, big, uh, uh, most important spokespeople for Bernie during the campaign. Uh, Tad Devine, who was his chief strategist. Uh, Michael Michael Briggs, who was his press secretary. I started to say Michael Flynn. Oh, no. <laughs> not that guy. Uh, no, not that guy. So, that guy. Uh, but you go to Patreon, patreon.com. It's five bucks a month for all kinds of special stuff that we put up. Um, material content you will find exclusively on Patreon, patreon.com. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, still, the uh, repercussions of uh, Friday's indictment of Michael Flynn by Special Counsel Robert Mueller. Uh, Michael Flynn appearing in the federal courthouse here, downtown Washington, pleading guilty to lying to the FBI and agreeing to cooperate. That's the part that has sent chills uh, through of fear through the White House. It should. Agreeing to cooperate with Special Counsel Robert Mueller on who else might have been uh, guilty of wrongdoing when it comes to this either collusion with the Russians or obstruction of justice. Uh, as we pointed out yesterday, uh, the reason that that has sent chills of fear through the White House is because Robert Mueller is clearly hoping that, that uh, Michael Flynn will help him uh, identify people above him, not below him, who did wrong. Uh, and they, that list would include Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, Jeff Sessions, Mike Pence, maybe KT McFarlane, who knows, Trump himself. Um, so that's what's going on. And you've got to say, everybody's, everybody's talking about this today. The, the way the Trump White House responded to this has been a mess, a total mess. They have screwed it up so badly, starting with Trump who can't stop tweeting about it, and then Trump, who can't stop talking about it and telling reporters, first of all, hey, well, no big deal. It's not, we're not worried about it at all because there wasn't any collusion. Well, there's a lot that looks like collusion when Michael Flynn is talking to the Russians uh, all throughout this thing and then lying to the FBI about it. But the point is, collusion is not the not not the most serious offense right. that Robert Mueller is investigating. Right. right. I, mean, I mean, look, that's an important point to make. Yeah, it's obstruction <laughs> of justice that is more and more. It's more and more. It's more and more clear that that's what Mueller is after: obstruction of justice. And as Senator Feinstein said the other day on Meet the Press, it looks like he's building a strong case for obstruction of justice. Because then, then Donald Trump and he, Donald Trump is helping him build the case. Yeah, Donald Trump turns around and says, "Well, yeah, I fired Michael Flynn because I knew he lied to the FBI." And then the very next day, Donald Trump fires James Comey and, well, I'm sorry, asks him to drop the investigation into Michael Flynn, knowing that Michael Flynn had lied to the FBI. That's I'm sorry. That's obstruction of justice. It, it really can't be overstated at how 
I hesitate to, to call him stupid, but it is stupid. I mean, well, this is a stupid thing to do when you are being looked at by a special investigator and you can't yes. shut your mouth. Just shut your mouth. Yeah, yeah. Because he keeps, I mean, he keeps hanging himself. And by the way, he's done this with the travel ban. They had to put three versions of a travel ban together before they finally found one that was passable. He's done this multiple times. He just, all he has to do is just shut up. No, he can't do it. Just shut up. No, can't not do it. And then his attorneys are just as bad. Mike uh, Donald McGahn, now the White House counsel, has came out and said, reinforcing this case, obstruction case, saying uh, he had informed the president that Sally Yates, then the acting attorney general, whom Donald Trump fired, remember, uh, that Sally Yates had told him, the White House counsel, that Michael Flynn was not telling the truth and had probably lied to the FBI. McCann says, yes, indeed, I did tell the president that. So the president knew that and still asked Michael uh, James Comey to drop an investigation into crimes that Michael Flynn had committed. He did that knowing that Michael Flynn had committed a crime by lying by lying to the FBI. So again, the response is just is all over the place. They are floundering. They, they were clearly caught flat-footed. Uh, they shouldn't have been because the rumors were around for a long time that Michael Flynn was going to be indicted. They were caught flat-footed by it, and they didn't know how to respond, and they still don't know how to respond. Uh, witness again yesterday, Donald Trump, which has become a pattern. He goes out to the uh, – walking out to Marine One. We reporters – I wasn't there yesterday, but are usually there when he walks out. And he, again, can't help himself. He's got to stop and say something stupid. So like yesterday saying how sorry he feels for Michael Flynn. Well, I feel badly for General Flynn. I feel very badly. He's led a very uh, strong life, and I feel very badly. Very bad. He lied to the FBI. Cry me an effing river. Yeah, he lied to the FBI. He. No, don't, don't take that from me. Michael Flynn himself says, <laughs> I lied to the FBI, just like George Papadopoulos said that. Uh, a few weeks ago. So then Trump again can't help himself. That, you know, there's so many reasons why we know Donald Trump is crazy, right? I mean, I mean I'm mean, i talking about certifiably nuts. Completely insane. Insane. Totally insane. Uh, should be in some institution somewhere. Yes. Not in the White House. Agree. But one of the reasons, one of the indications of that is his obsession with Hillary. He cannot let go. This is a guy who can't accept the fact that he's president and she's not. He is still obsessed with her. And so yesterday, he can't just say, I feel sorry for Michael Flynn. He's got to go on again and get a dig in at Hillary. Uh, Hillary Clinton lied many times to the FBI. Nothing happened to her. Flynn lied and they destroyed his life. I think it's a shame. It's a shame. It's yeah. a freaking lie. Same thing, it is right? an yeah. absolute freaking lie. Oh God! James, the F, we all know, right? I mean, the not only did Congress have like fifteen hearings into Hillary's emails, the FBI investigated Hillary's emails. James Comey, without saying some pretty nasty things about her, about how reckless she was. And what a bad move it was to have this private email server. Yeah. He still said in testimony to Congress, I there is no basis 
to hold that Hillary Clinton lied to the FBI in all of their conversations, in all of their interviews. The director of the FBI said she did not lie to us in our investigation. And then you got the president of the United States going out and say she lied many times to the FBI. I mean, he just makes up this, you know what, and Look, puts it out there and has no regard for the truth. No. He doesn't care. He just says it. And there's a real danger in that. There's a very serious danger in that because now it's out there that Hillary Clinton lied to the FBI. Oh, yeah. And you know what? Right? It's out. I mean, it's out there. And the idiots who voted for him will believe it. Of course they will. I mean, I mean, people already believe that. That narrative that yeah. they threw yeah. around, you know, crooked Hillary all throughout the election, it, it, like this isn't the first time he said it. No. Yeah. And now, so you can just say whatever you want. Right. So now, as part again, as part of this mess, as part of this like Keystone Cops response to Michael Flynn's uh, indictment, the latest is that the, <laughs> the attorney who says he wrote the tweet about lying to the FBI, John Dowd, I don't believe him for a second. No way. But anyhow, even if he did or drafted it, it's Donald Trump's tweet. Donald Trump owns it. Donald Trump said it. D- Donald Trump's the one who's responsible. But then Dowd yesterday says, well, no big deal about obstruction of justice either because the president can't be charged with obstruction of justice because he's the nation's chief law enforcement officer. That blew up in their face right away because everybody started to say, oh, my God, here we are again. Richard Nixon is back, who famously said, if the president does it, it can't be illegal. And the Supreme Court has time and time again shot that argument down. And by the way, so has the United States Congress. Articles of so here are Republicans in the Congress who have written this that obstruction of justice is a federal crime, and not even the President of the United States is uh, immune from that charge. They've written that law, and now here's Donald Trump saying the law doesn't apply to me. Yeah, well, guess what? Uh, first of all, again, Richard Nixon got tried to get away with that. But articles of impeachment written by Congress against both Richard Nixon and Bill Clinton charged them with obstruction of justice. Well, So don't say a president can't be charged with obstruction well, of justice. Well, yeah. In the last four decades, two presidents have been. So the whole thing is, again, they just they don't know their ass from a hot rock when it comes to— and what they ought to do, first of all, as Peter, as you indicated earlier, is they ought to just shut up, Yeah. right? Maybe have the White House counsel talk, but certainly Trump should not be out there because he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Um, uh, so things got uh, <clears throat> not better. They got a lot of worse, a uh, lot worse at the White House yesterday, even though the president was even in town. He was out in Utah doing a lot more damage, <clears throat> the emphasis on more damage, uh, but first of all, before we get to the more part of it, why did he go to Utah? He went to Utah for two reasons. Uh, one of them is he wanted to uh, butter up Arn Hatch and get Arn Hatch to run again at the age of 83 for another six-year term because last thing he wants is Mitt Romney in the United States Senate. Here's Donald Trump buttering up old Arn. We hope you will continue to serve your state and your country in the Senate for a very long time to come. Yes, and uh, Aaron Hatt says, 
Back at you, baby. I love you, Donald Trump. Listen to this. This is so sickening. I've served under many presidents, seven to be exact, <laughs> but none is like the man we have in the White House today. Well, that's true. When you, when you talk, this president <laughs> listens. Yeah. Oh, my God. Isn't that terrible? Oh, my God. Yeah. So think about that. He served <gasps> under Reagan, George H.W., George, uh, I mean. Uh, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. No, I, I'm missing. Jim, maybe even Jimmy Carter. He might have, yeah. How did he say seven presidents? They certainly uh, wouldn't. Yeah, I think They certainly so, would right? include Reagan, George H.W., and George W., as well as Clinton and Obama. It's got to be Carter in gotta there, too, right? Got to be Carter. And now it's 83. Trump. Now Trump, it's right? It's got to be Carter. Trump so, would be seven. Sitting Holy up with seven. Well, I'll tell you, one thing, it, it is true. There's never been a president like this one. Yeah, I agree with Warren Hatch no. for the first time ever. Yeah. <laughs> There's never been a president like Donald Trump. There's never been a president so totally crazy, right? Oh. Yeah. But, oh, God, I'm telling you. And, of course, and the other thing, the other reason for going out there was, uh, this, is, this is incredible. If you look at, back at, if you look at those seven presidents, every one of them, even the Republicans. Even the Republicans in their last, uh, usually in their second term, what they do is they, they're thinking about their legacy and what each, every one of them has done. I remember George W. Bush doing it, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton. They put certain of our most precious and most spectacularly beautiful public lands aside for, for, to protect them forever for, for us, the public, to enjoy and use forever in our kids and our grandkids. Donald Trump, in his first year, is doing just the opposite. He is cutting national monuments in half, not in half, by 85%. Two magnificent properties of national monuments in Utah, Bears Ears, which was just created by Barack Obama. He reduced the size of Bears Ears from, this wasn't a little bit, from one and a half million acres to 220,000 acres. God. Just just destroyed it, basically. Destroyed it. Uh, and then the Grand Staircase Escalante, which has been around since Bill Clinton's day, and which, as we mentioned yesterday, is one of the greatest deposits of dinosaur bones and fossils in on the planet. Uh, a, a mecca, kind of, for, our, for, um, for scientists. Uh, reduce the size of the Grand Staircase Escalante from 2 million to 1 million. And then Donald Trump says, here's why, uh, speaking out in Utah yesterday, here's why we have to do that. With the action I'm taking today, we will not only give back your voice over the use of this land, we will also restore your access and your enjoyment. Public lands no. will once again before public use. No, no, they're not. No, no, no. What he's doing in his public, public, <laughs> yes, public lands, he's saying are really for developers, for miners, for oil companies, for off-road vehicles, right? Well, not how else are we going to get the coal use. mining jobs back, Bill? Yeah, Come on. There you go. There you go. Right. So, it's, you know, again, this guy would build a power plant in the middle of the Grand Canyon. He doesn't care. Right. First, I, have to, I, have to say, I have to say something. Like, as screwed up as our country is, and it is, yeah, it is a disaster, there is one thing that we do really, really, really well. National have parks. have done really, really well. National, national parks. parks. I've said this a million times. Yeah. And 
I mean, I keep going back to this thing from years ago. The Ken Burns documentaries on the national parks point out that other countries don't have what we have. No. We have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to natural beauty. This is something that we just inherited as a country. And we should do everything that we that we can to protect that. And yesterday, I thought this was really telling. It started with Patagonia, a great uh, outdoor clothing and outdoor oh, yeah. activity yeah. Uh, California, company. California company. You got it. So on their website, if you go to Patagonia.com, all black except for white letters that says, The President Stole Your Land. And in a legal move, the president just reduced the, reduced the size of Bears Ears and Grand Staircase Escalante National Monuments. This is the largest elimination of protected land in American history. Okay, go to the northface.com, another outdoor company. Protect Bears Ears. We're donating $100,000 to support the creation of an education center outside Bears Ears National Monument, helping protect these national lands for future generations. Go to REI.com, another outdoor company. Good for we them. love Good for our them. public lands. Despite <laughs> the loss of millions of acres of protected land this week, REI will continue to advocate for the places we all love. Good so for them. Yeah. Those are the three biggest outdoor activity yeah. companies yeah. that I can yeah. think of, and right. all of them on the front page of their website say, this is insane. Yeah. This is insane. And by the way, you know, I haven't been to uh, these two, but um, I've been to the Grand Canyon and I've been to Zion, uh, which is in Utah, which is an yeah. incredible It's stunning. Monument. It's just absolutely, I mean, uh, yeah, I went up to that Angel's Landing. Angel's Landing, yeah. Yeah, that's one hike you do that once in your life. <laughs> uh, take your life in your hands. I wouldn't try it again, but boy, way, it is incredible. I'd like to see Donald Trump go on a hike. Oh yeah, right. Any hike. Any hike. Any, right. I, like you remember whenever he, you remember when he, we, he went to one of these uh, G20 uh, meetings and all the others just walked outside on a nice day and he got in a yeah. golf cart. Yeah, yeah, right. But the other thing is about so, so I've been to again been to Zion and one other of the national monuments in in Utah. I forget which is near Zion, and then but I haven't been to these two. So it is true. That the state of Utah is blessed with a lot of magnificent lands and territory, and it's blessed with several na- national parks and national yeah. monuments. But why do people go to Utah? They go to Utah to see those national monuments and to enjoy their beauty and maybe to camp there or to stay there and to spend money there. The tourism industry in Utah, right, the, the, they come there. To see the National Scenic Wonders, they don't come there to see some freaking open mine pit, and they won't. So, I mean, this is this is not only destroying our national legacy uh, and, and inheritance; it is destroying the economy of the state of Utah. It's and Donald Trump, yeah, and Donald Trump saying, and here, and his final comment that he made yesterday is. We're not going to let these bureaucrats in Washington, the old anti-Washington, you know, cliche. Some people think that the natural resources of Utah should be controlled by a small handful no. of no. very distant bureaucrats oh my God. located no. in Washington. No. And guess what? They're wrong. Yeah, guess what? You're an idiot. Does he really no. think that's the problem? no. no. No, the whole principle here is that oh. these magnificent public lands belong to the American people, not to the mining industry, not to the oil and gas industry, right? Not to the, not not to the cattle grazers or whatever. Belong to all of us, all the American people. And again, that's a principle that every Republican, every Democrat, Republican, what am I saying? Every president, Republican and Democrat, 
has adhered to and believed in until this guy. So when Arn Hatch says there's never been a president like this one, he's actually right. Yeah, he's right. Bill, I have to point out you uh, oh, forgot. Say wrong? You forgot one clip. Another thing. Oh, from yesterday. Uh, it, let's just roll this. We're now one huge step closer to delivering to the American people the historic tax relief oh. as a giant present for Christmas. Remember, I said we're bringing Christmas back. Now we're not just bringing Merry Christmas back. We are now, according to President Donald Trump. Bringing Christmas yeah, back. Yeah, you know, I gotta be honest. I altogether. completely forgot to celebrate Christmas last year. Totally passed me by. Mm-hmm. Just didn't even recognize that it was Christmas. I forgot December 25th. I just showed up to work. Nobody was here. I totally spaced. But we're bringing it back, baby. We're bringing it back. We're also going to bring back Columbus Day and Washington's birthday. Oh, oh God. I'm telling you. <laughs> Meanwhile, Donald Trump on Air Force One yesterday. Uh, he. Um, Made a little telephone call down to Alabama and said, Roy, go get him. I am with you 100 percent, making it open. And he put out an email or a tweet before he got on Air Force One yesterday uh, saying, quote, we need he we need his vote. Talking about Roy Moore. Democrats. uh, The whole the whole tweet is Democrats refusal to give even one vote for massive tax cuts is why we need Republican Roy Moore to win in Alabama. We need his vote on stopping crime, illegal immigration, border wall, military, pro-life, VA, judges, Second Amendment, and more. Donald Trump fully in the Roy Moore's camp now. Uh, And so is Mitch McConnell after acting tough, and saying, we don't want this guy, Mitch McConnell, saying, I believe the women. I don't believe Roy Moore. We don't want him in the Senate. We don't want him to win. If he does, we'll oh, throw him out. Now Mitch McConnell is saying, it's up to the people of Alabama. If they want the pedophile, then we'll take the pedophile. Uh, and Donald Trump directing the RNC, the Republican National Committee, which had pulled all of its money out of Alabama. As of yesterday, they're back into Alabama, Two pumping weeks. money into, with the last two weeks, pumping money into Roy Moore's race. So the the Republicans, you thought they had a soul? They have absolutely no soul whatsoever. No, they took two weeks off of the race. That's it. They pulled their funding for two weeks, and now they're back. And by the way, we just talked about Orrin Hatch. Yesterday he was asked about this specifically, and he says, I don't think Donald Trump had any choice but to endorse Roy Moore. We have to have him in to get our agenda done. And then he says, and this is baffling. About the allegations against Roy Moore, which I think we all agree are true, he said many of the things that he allegedly did were decades ago. So so they might not be true, but even if they did, it, it happened so many, many long. years ago. Yeah. And which is amazing, which should maybe shouldn't be so amazing, because if there's anywhere that underage child sex is okay, it's Utah. But for Orrin Hatch, this guy to be a moral, quote-unquote, moral leader of the Republican Party, give me a break. And he is some kind of Mormon leader, too. I forget exactly what position that he's got, by the well, way. God help uh, us, but uh, bring back Mitt Romney. Bring well, back Mitt Romney. Uh, I've got to say, with uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Lindsey Graham, same thing as, as Mitch McConnell, uh, and all these Republicans now lining up behind uh, Roy Moore, Mitt Romney did yesterday say, that no political majority is worth losing our dignity and honor for. 
Good for him. Yeah. Well put. Uh, and just a little footnote on that. Um, the Washington Post reports this morning yet more evidence that what these women are saying is true. One of the original four that the Washington Post identified as a teenager dating Roy Moore when he, she was 17, he was 34. Um, she Remember the yearbook that Roy Moore yeah. signed? Uh, she found a scrapbook where, uh, and in that scrapbook, there was a card signed to her from Roy Moore on her graduation. His really handwriting, love Roy, whole thing. By yeah. the way, you look at the signature back to yeah. back, oh, yeah. it's his. Yeah, it's his. I, so. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a handwriting expert, it's his. Disgusting human being and Republicans deserve him. That's who they are. Secrecy in government uh, is uh, the uh, uh, kind of the whole mission, getting doing away with secrecy in government, of a new organization called Open the Government. Lisa Rosenberg, executive director, joins us next here on the Bill Press Show on those important issues. Uh, stay tuned. Quick break. We'll be right back. Remember I said we're bringing Christmas back? Get social with Bill Press. Like us at Facebook.com slash Bill Press Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And here we go on this Tuesday, this Tuesday, December 5, The Bill Press Show. Great to be with you today. Again, we're joining you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Out in the Chicago area on the great WCPT, the progressive voice of Chicago. And joining you also on Free Speech TV, Coast to Coast. Good to have you with us. Uh, a quick mention, remember, we are your one-stop holiday shopping uh, if it comes to a good scarf for the winter, like the one that I'm wearing, hand-woven, believe it or not, hand-woven by my wife, Carol. Uh, this one is a rayon chenille. She also does them in bamboo. Many different colors and patterns to choose from. You need a scarf these days no matter where you are. So check out our website, BillPressShow.com. Go to the link for the Carol Press scarves. And i got to tell you, folks, she is selling them like hotcakes. These days, thanks to all of you running over to the post office every time I turn around with a new uh, scarf order. So um, she'll get, get them out to you right away. Uh, you pick your favorite uh, color and pattern, and it'll be on its way to you. BillPressShow.com to Carol, follow the link to Carol Press Scarves. Open government, a transparency. That's something we can all believe in, right? Unless, I guess, you remember the Trump administration. Um, open the government organization. Uh, Executive Director Lisa Rosenberg joins us in studio. Hi, Lisa. Good to see you. Hi. Nice to be here. Well, how does the, uh, in terms, I mean, it's, it's a basic principle, right, that we ought to know at whatever level, city council, school board, state legislature, United States Congress, or the White House, we ought to know, and the agencies, what our government is up to. Absolutely. And that's the premise of Open the Government, our organization is a coalition of 100 other organizations that believe in exactly what you said, the right to know what our government is doing, um, the fact that our democracy is stronger if we're open and transparent, and that our government will be more accountable with transparency. It's but, so funny because, like... Uh, I mean, it's pretty basic. Yeah, <laughs> it's a basic thing. But, you know, yeah. like, when Barack Obama was running, he was like, we're going to have the most... 
Transparent. Transparent government in the history of America. Didn't which, happen. Which didn't exactly happen. Didn't. No, but like that was a thing that they were running on. Right. Yeah. No, it's something so, we should all believe in, and it's something our coalition members who are left, right, and center and cover all different issue areas. You know, we have environmental groups, we have library associations, we have national security organizations. Um, so we have a lot of groups that do come together with this, as you said, this very basic principle, but it's still I, an uphill battle. And it should not be a partisan. I mean, I, for some reason, I'm on some mailing lists. I, I, I don't know who people think I am. Like, I'm on Roy Moore's email list, okay? <laughs> Jesus. I get them every day, but it kind of gives me an insight into it's, the lies that he's telling. It's important to know what's going on. But right. I'm also on the email list for this organization, Judicial Watch. Mm-hmm. And that crazy nut, Larry Clayman, right, who, we, who used to be a guest on Crossfire back in those days. But the one thing that, the only thing that I ever agree with them on is when they get on a rant about having some documents released. Or that's just... exactly right. And Judicial Watch is actually really good on getting documents. Um, so yeah. yeah, so that's they... where we find the commonality with a lot of our partners is, you know, where does the information come from? Well, we all need that information about our government. Is it too early to know how the Trump administration stacks up when it comes to um, uh, transparency, open government? Well, I think there are signs, you know, as you mentioned. Signs, good or bad. Oh, <laughs> signs, bad. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely signs, bad. I mean, you know, um, as you as you mentioned, the Obama administration sort of you know campaigned on being the most transparent. Um, and it wasn't always. There's no question about that. They had their shortcomings. Um, I like to say that the Obama administration maybe closed the curtain a little bit on transparent government, but the Trump administration seems to be hammering up boards, you know, over that window and really uh-huh. just shutting it down. And we saw it before Trump even took office, right? The fact that he would not release his tax returns is oh, sort yeah, of an of obvious. Uh, transparency issue um, that leads to so many others. Um, but he shut down the the release of the visitors' logs to the White House. He has, um, you know, just fought a free press. He's totally opposed and doesn't seem to understand the importance of a free press. Uh, so that's really, really dangerous in terms of openness and transparency and accountability. We have problems with that. His cabinet officials, too, um, are are very secretive. So we've heard that um, Scott Pruitt at the EPA is actually building a telephone booth inside the EPA so that his phone calls can't be heard by anyone. <laughs> oh, um, God. Right. I what? mean, this is not a transparent government. Um, <laughs> Rex Tillerson, too, just he said he doesn't like the press. He's not a media guy. He doesn't want the press traveling with him. So all of these are signs that... Um, you know, that we've got a real transparency problem. And again, with my coalition, what's really exciting is the fact that we do have left, right, and center coming together to recognize that this is a problem. Isn't there sort of uh, maybe unfairly, though, the the impression that if they want to hide it, they're doing something wrong? There is that impression. And I think a lot of folks um, do. They hear the word transparency and they recoil. They say, oh, what are you, what are you hiding? You're not really as transparent as you say they uh, you know, as you say, you're being. So, I mean, I think that is um, something that we have to address as a community. Um, we have to link transparency to accountability. We have to show that there's results. If there's transparency, if there's a problem, what are the consequences? You know, what, what if we've uncovered an issue, um, you know, how are we going to resolve that issue? You know, um, I, I should know this, uh, given I've been um, active in the media for so long. Um, but I must admit that I don't. So we do have the Freedom of Information Act, mm-hmm. right? How right. recent is that? So there were amendments to the Freedom of Information Act that were just actually enacted a couple of years ago. So very, very soon. And it was strengthened. Uh Um, We like to say the Freedom of Information Act gets 
uh, it gets a refresh maybe every 10 years. Yeah. So, and what does it um, cover? So it covers executive branch agencies. Uh, it doesn't cover Congress, which is a problem. Mm. Yeah. Um, but the executive branch, you know, is required when you submit a freedom of information request to respond one way or another. And unfortunately, often those responses are, you know, no, we can't give you that information or, yeah, here's the information, but a lot of it's blacked out and redacted. Um, so there's an appeals process. And a lot of times folks in our community especially have to take advantage of that appeals process and really push and continue to push and even, you know, often take it to court before they get the information that they need. No, it is funny because the phrase, I'm going to FOIA, we're going to FOIA yeah. that, right? right, has become part of the English yeah. language. But it's such an inside the beltway it's phrase. An, I, I hope I didn't say that. Did no, I you say didn't. that? Okay. No, and every time I hear it, I always sort of laugh and say, how many people... I hear people say it on mm -hmm. television or radio. How right. many people We need to FOIA that. We need to FOIA that. What, what, yeah. what the hell they're talking about. But, right. for example, I just learned from you that it doesn't apply to, uh, to, uh, to Congress. Right. Why shouldn't it apply to Congress? It should. But Congress makes the rules, and they don't want it to apply exactly. to them. Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. So, so they apply to all the other federal agencies and departments. Right. Which is good, which is it great. Is, yeah. And gives you a lot of, you know, a, a, a area there in which you can be active, but... That's a lot of a lot that Congress does too, right. and particularly putting the, cobbling together these bills. Or, for, let's take a good example: the Ethics Committee. Right. Right. Um, right. The information that they may have on a sexual predator in Congress. I mean, the Ethics Committee is you know is, is pretty confidential, um, but I think what you know what we've just discovered recently that is even more troubling. Um, you know, there's something to be said for confidential investigations, right? You don't necessarily want to point the finger at somebody until you have the evidence. But what we've found out now is with these sexual harassment suits that are happening in Congress. Um, there's a secret slush, slush fund that is paying off accusers to keep their mouths shut. That's taxpayer money. That's not accountable government. If my money is being used to to pay off a, a claim or a settlement, I think that's a real problem, and I'd really like to see transparency around those payments. I had no idea that was a thing. No, until, nobody did. Yeah, nobody I mean, did. I mean, what in Until the John hell? Conyers. Right. John no, Conyers and Blake Farenthold. Right, and, right, exactly. And, I mean, how many of these things have been... Use. We don't know. I mean, and that's oh, the problem. My God. Uh, we didn't know. I mean, those of us in the openness community didn't know that this was actually happening. It's a problem. And there's there's actually a couple different potential slush funds. There's sort of this one that was um, designed to, you know, to, to pay off accusers kind of institution wide for all of Congress. But use their their personal uh, allotments, the, the money that they get to run their offices to also pay off. But again, that's Which is also taxpayer, taxpayer money. money. It's, also taxpayer it's money. all taxpayer yeah. money. Um, so, you know, I think we need to address that. And, you know, there's 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 got to be a way. There's a bill in Congress right now that um, hopefully would shine a light on some of those settlements. So we're really interested to see where that's going to go. Lisa Rosenberg is the executive director of Open the Government. The website is openthegovernment.org, correct? Right? Correct, Openthegovernment.org. Yes. Right. Check it out for all the other uh, issues that they're involved in, uh, some of which we'll get to here, but um, we won't be able to exhaust uh, the arena uh, of their uh, of their good work. So check out openthegovernment.org, right? Yeah. .org, yes. So what do you, what's, in terms of secrecy, openness, what's the greatest challenge today that, uh, or two or three that you're working on? Well, I mean, you know, we already touched on, the, most on the Trump administration and just the patterns in the future um, because, you know, he's setting examples of, of more and more secrecy. So I think that you know, as a community, we're going to have to pay attention to that, defend against that, and then hopefully when the time is right, 
um, push back against that and actually affirmatively create more openness so that, for example, Congress uh, candidates have to release their tax returns. We could legislate that very easily. Um, so it just takes the will of Congress to require that sort of thing to happen or White House visitors' laws yep. or that sort of thing. So, White House visitors' yeah, laws, of course. Really I mean, important. we ought to know who's coming and, in and And there are things there. that we can fix. I think in the short term, one of the things we're paying very close attention to right now this month is um, surveillance issues, and in particular the FBI and its ability to um, monitor communications, emails, telephone calls of, of Americans without a warrant. Um, and we're very concerned about that, and we think that that's just something that we're, we're going to have to address uh, there's a law that um, allows the National Security Association uh, Administration to um, collect information about um, uh, communications about folks from folks outside of the United States. So non-U.S. citizens living outside the United States, we can get their information for national security purposes, for um, you know, for their telephone calls, their emails, et cetera. Um, but when those telephone calls and those emails happen to be with American citizens, that information is collected all but, also. Right, right. But isn't this the this is the old debate that started with George Bush, right? George W. Bush yes. with not getting the FISA warrant or, or right. claiming that he didn't need a FISA warrant. Right. As, as easy as they are to get, right? Well, yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and we are really concerned that the FBI then can do that, can go out without a warrant, pour through that database of U.S. people's communications, right, and use that in in criminal but cases. But isn't NSA still? Aren't they still collecting every? They're still collecting a the lot mega of data, right? On yes, whatever it's called, yes, on every single meta, phone Yes, call. there's metadata, a lot of right? there's a lot of information being collected, and again, it's being collected and ostensibly from foreign people. But when they talk to you know you or me, if you happen to be you know communicating with somebody outside the U.S. That information aren't is they also, also storing data on just uh, domestic calls on, on every every single call? They shouldn't be. Um, Are the phone companies? The phone companies might be right, and then they they would need to go to the phone companies. They have to, to go to the phone companies yeah, to get that exactly. to get that data. Exactly. Right? I mean, exactly. wasn't that as I recall? So that was a big problem. Step, that was yeah. the step that, that was, they took to sort of right. in in essence to protect us. But but yeah. how difficult is it to get a FISA warrant? Well, the problem we're looking at right now is the FBI doesn't have to get a FISA warrant. The problem is the FBI yeah. can search this Got data it. without a warrant at all. So what we're hoping hoping is um, you know there's again a simple fix, a simple bipartisan fix would be to require the FBI to yeah. get a warrant. Um, Senators Paul and Senators Wyden have a bill that would do just that. Hmm. In addition to the warrant, their bill would require some reporting by the FBI. How often do they use these databases? How, how effective is this information collection? You know, do they really catch bad guys when they pour through these databases? And the, uh, the Wyden-Paul bill would have some reporting to Congress so that Congress would know if this is effective, if this is actually working. And that's the kind of accountability we're, we're looking for. How dangerous um, is the information to our to our national security? Is the information released by made public by Edward Snowden? I mean, look, I would say that none of us in my community, you know, I, I know this for a fact. We do not want national security implica uh, information released if it's going to potentially harm us. We really, really want to be careful about that. And, right. you know, we do get some pushback. Oh, you know, you would just release everything. No, we wouldn't. We believe that information should be classified, you know, when necessary. But did Snowden release any damaging information in your judgment? You know, I think there might have been, because it was this uncontrolled release, because there wasn't sort of this this oversight, if you will, 
yeah, there could have been some damaging information that that potentially got out. That's why we actually need rules in place so that we're not forced in the position of somebody who, you know, thinks they're doing good, but maybe doesn't have the big picture, doesn't have all the answers to release all of this information. I would much rather have kind of rules in place than, you know, an Edward Snowden kind of deciding what should or should not be released. But at the same time, right, I'm not pushing too much, but... Um, we wouldn't know about any of this if no. it weren't for Edward Snowden. No, I think that's right. I mean, that's absolutely right. So, you know, he opened all of our eyes to what was going on, and that was, you know, very valuable and very, you know, very important um, that we at least saw this was going on. Now the next step is what do we do? Now that we know, now that we know this is going on, are we going to do anything about it or or not? And I think, um, you know, again, I think we're leaning towards not doing anything about it. I think that, uh, you know, under the guise of national security, well, Again, not that we are diminishing that, but that that people are afraid to kind of push back too hard. But that so you you use the, the magic phrase I was going to ask you about, which is national security. That is most often where people run when they want to hide. Correct. Yeah, I mean, and, they, and with they claim they claim national, national security. security. I think that's right. And again, that's why we need so classified right, or whatever. Right. right. That's why we need checks which and is balances. A pretty broad. Turn, turn, well, isn't it? I mean, we we are concerned about excessive secrecy, about overclassification. Again, I don't want anybody to, you know, I don't want to give information to our enemies that could put us at risk. Um, absolutely not, under no circumstances. But I think what often happens, I don't think things should be classified because they're embarrassing to the United States government. Yeah. And I think we which, get there. Which often happens. Which Amen. often happens, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah, totally. So I think that's where we need the oversight. That's where we need people to take a hard look at what does and does not need to be classified. Um, because also, again, in this right to know, we have a right to know what we did wrong as well as what we did right. You know, and I, I think like, that's Hearing this conversation, I'm reminded of, of Chelsea Manning and the trouble that Chelsea Manning got, in, got, got into because she shared these things that we were doing that were really abhorrent. Mm-hmm. And... Went to jail for it. I mean, she's out now, right. and that's good. But, like, went to solitary confinement, went to jail for it. And it's like, I would like to know that we as a country are doing the things that she shed light on. Well, I think what's really important, too, and a lot of people don't understand this, it is a crime to release classified national yes. security information. Sure. That is criminal. It is not a crime to, as our president likes to say, leak you know, leaking who's having dinner with whom at the White House is not criminal right. um, as much as, as our president, I think, would like it to be criminal, at least when the information is about him. Um, so there are laws in place. There are lines in place. And we can't blur those lines. Um, you know, but another concern, there was a massive torture report done by Congress, by Senator uh, Dianne Feinstein. Massive report about what we as the U.S. did in terms of torture. Um I don't think that entire report needs to be released. I don't, you know, not right away, certainly. I'm sure there's classified information. But at the moment, none of it's being released. None of it is being released, even to members of Congress who were not on those committees to understand what was done. Even to the military, they can't read the report to see what worked and what didn't. And is this working? And is this a good idea or a bad idea? So again, it's not a black and white, everything is out in the open or nothing is out in the open. You know, there are People in Congress, people in the agencies, people in the military who maybe need information that you and I don't need. At that report, as I recall, I mean, Senator Feinstein was uh, was pushing to get the release. She was. Report released, yeah. correct? Yes, she yeah. was. And there was you know, a change in administration and a change in um, whether or not that report was going and to be And it was released. a congressional yes. investigation. It was. Right? Yes. So paid yes. for again by taxpayer dollars. Well, yes, as most of this is. Right. And again, 
I'd like to see the table of contents. I'd like to know, you know, an unclassified version of that report as a member of, of the public. And I would like the military to have the opportunity to learn from that report. So who makes that decision not to release it? So it's the executive branch right now. It's the it's the agencies um, that have decided not to make that decision. And it's become uh, what's called the agencies, so CIA? The National Security Intelligence Agency community. Yeah. That's 17 agencies. Well, is there anybody? There probably is, <clears throat> and I apologize, I'm just not sure who kind of made that one decision. I'm just, well, yeah. I'm just curious, yeah. uh, is it, whether it's the DNI, you know, the director of national intelligence right. himself. Right. But this happened under the Obama administration, didn't, didn't it? Well, the report yes. happened under the Obama administration, but yes. But the decision not but to make it public. the decision not to make it public happened, um, the de- happened under the Trump administration. There was actually a shift in, in policy. Um, that would keep it all confidential. Right. Um, I've, I've read on your site about um, the FBI's use of this term, black identity. Black, black identity extremists. Yeah. That's, what uh, is that? That is, um, we're again. Isn't that just, what uh, J. Edgar Hoover called Martin Luther King well, that's Jr.? Ex- I mean, I don't know if those were the exact words that Hoover used, but that's kind of reminiscent, and that's what we're worried about with this this term being Where'd used. Where did this term come from? Um, it's a term being used by the FBI, again, to we believe, um, monitor and surveil people, organizations. Um, We think the problem is that they're lumping together, you know, peaceful protesters who are objecting to racial discrimination by law enforcement with potential, I don't know who, you know, people who really may may be violent. But again, I am I'm hesitating a little bit because I don't really know who's lumped under this terminology because it's not transparent. And are they using it? I mean, we think they are using it. Yes, exactly. To monitor, you know, again, groups who have been protesting or opposing um, uh, racist practices in law enforcement. But again, you know, it does that lump in the three of us who are sitting here because we've been to a protest, a Black Lives Matter protest, for example. Um, you know, we don't know. So what we're looking for once again is this transparency. Well, why are you using this? you know, this label and who does, who falls under this label. Um, and if I happen to be, or you happen to be, or my organization is, is part of, is, you know, falls under this label, you know, am I being surveilled? Am I being monitored? Um, and if so, how do I defend against that? How do I say, you know, no, I am not planning violence. I am actually just exercising my first amendment rights to peaceful well, protest. Well, second, uh, I mean, this is where it seems to me um, the, it's a direct application of this is neither left nor right, this is across the board, uh, concern about surveillance, particularly of uh, activist organizations. You know, something right. of something like Occupy, right? Mm-hmm. Which had a powerful message, either Wall Street or here on Freedom Plaza in Washington, D.C., or around the country, these Occupy protests. But some people, I'm sure, including probably the FBI, saw them as a potential threat. Right, right, right. right. And so there were probably people infiltrating these groups or going to these rallies right yeah and writing up reports I mean I mean I think that's right and again I think there needs to be some accountability you yeah. know if that is actually happening why is it happening who is yeah. it happening to and why are is they it there? necessary is it actually keeping us safer um, no and we don't know well we don't know and mm. and we need the answers to that um, yeah there was a time when the FBI had uh, uh, files on everybody. Right? Do they still? I'm sure they have. I'm sure they have some files. Yes, I'm, I'm no doubt about it. Well, you know, it's like it's so funny hearing you talk about this because I think that there have been people who have been a little painted as being a little paranoid about what the government 
is capable of doing, but like, I'm not so skeptical anymore. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the government is actually looking at us more and more and more. You know, I mean, when you look at the, what the NSA did, like looking into your computers and your cameras and your smartphones and all this I, crap. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Sure, but, sure. You know, but I just, again, I just think that um, we have checks and balances for a reason. And, yeah. you know, if the FBI is doing one thing, Congress should know about it and be able to and question it. And we should it. know about and it. And we should know yeah. about right. it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are fighting for all of us. This is great. It is so important. Thanks so much for coming in and telling us about it. Open, uh, I know you're not a new organization, but new to me, so I'm just glad to know you're there. And I am glad uh, glad to be here and glad to have the opportunity. Thank you so much. It's Open the Government, openthegovernment.org. Check it out, lend your support, and uh, fight the good fight uh, for transparency and total openness. We deserve to know what our government is up to. S.V. Dante is a White House correspondent for HuffPost joining us next. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yep, I feel sorry for Michael Flynn. That's what Donald Trump says yesterday. Yep. Uh, Feel sorry because he lied to the FBI. What do you say? Hello, everybody. On a Tuesday, December 5. So good to see you today. Thanks for joining us. As we move into hour number two here of the Bill Press Show, coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, uh, and our studio on Capitol Hill, right in the heart of the action here, just down the street from the United States Capitol. Uh, where they are still trying to reconcile the Senate and House versions of the big tax cut bill, and uh, not uh, also uh, very close to and just down the street from the Supreme Court, where people have been camping out for two days to get into the court today to hear the oral, oral arguments on the big bakery case and whether or not a bakery would have to uh, provide a cake to a same-sex couple that wanted to get married or birthday or whatever occasion. Uh, A big day, lots of news to cover. Donald Trump going out to Utah yesterday uh, to further encourage Orrin Hatch to run for re-election and to cut two national monuments in more than in half uh, with traveling with the president uh, as part of the the press pool yesterday, uh, S.V. Date from HuffPost, who joins us in studio. Hi, Sharice. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Just to yeah. clarify, I was in town yesterday. So oh, I'm, I'm sorry. That's all right. Yeah, so I watched the helicopter leave and then come back. Oh, got but, it. Okay. Yeah, I was, was not, on your... the, not on the long flight all the way out I there, was so. re- reading your reports because uh, there are two pools, one here Correct. and one that travels with him. Yeah, right. But, yeah, so good reports from you. Well, thank you. Anyhow, great. Uh, and we've got uh, lots to cover and look forward to hearing from you what the you think about the news of the day. Send us your comments on Twitter 
uh, at BP Show. But first, this is the full court press. Top of the hour. Just a couple of other stories. Making news, breaking news this morning. Uh The Robert Mueller investigation continues. Reading directly from Reuters, Special Counsel Robert Mueller has asked Deutsche Bank to share data on accounts held by U.S. President Donald Trump and his family. A person close to the matter said on Tuesday. This Deutsche com- Bank? Yeah, Deutsche Bank. This confirms a report by the German newspaper Handelsblatt, which was published Tuesday morning in Germany. And so they are saying that they have gotten a subpoena from Mueller several weeks ago to provide information on certain money and credit transactions, all revolving around Donald Trump and his family. Very interesting. Well, it does widen up. Widen the scope a little bit here, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, look, this could mean a lot of different things. This could show us a lot of different things. But like that, they—they're not backing down at all, and that—that that, that this is really very wide ranging. So, just saying. So we know here in uh, it's not the Moscow Bank. Right? So the Moscow Bank, <laughs> not yet. It's not the Moscow Bank. Although who knows where that money came from in the Deutsche Bank? Uh, we know here uh, here in the DMV in Maryland, just outside of Washington D.C., medical marijuana is legal. As a matter of fact, the very first dispensary, Potomac Holistics in Rockville, opened up last week. They were open for two days, and then, well. They ran out of stock. (laughs) Apparently, there are a lot of sick people in Maryland. (laughs) They said that seven facilities opened up around the state. They were provided the same amount of supplies from Maryland's 15 licensed growers. And they sold five pounds of medical marijuana. Plus, they had different kinds of edibles and elixirs and uh, oils and things like that that they could sell. They sold out of everything. Hmm. They sold out of everything. Now, yeah, I have a friend of mine who lives in Germantown, um, <laughs> which is not too far from Rockville, and, yeah. and recently had some medical issues. Yeah. Uh, a close friend, right? A close friend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I see him every day. A person I kind of work closely with. <laughs> yeah. Hi, everyone. So how much <laughs> how much of that stock did you get? I had none of this. <laughs> Look, but, greedy, don't you think? But yeah. other sick people in the state. Look, if the anybody, if any, if there are any Sounds sick like people took, that need any, I have a little surplus. So it's, it's all like you took more than your share. On TV and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Yep, it is now official. Donald Trump endorsing, full-throated endorsement of Roy Moore yesterday and directing the Republican National Committee to start pumping money back into that Alabama Senate race. Hello, everybody. What do you say? On a Tuesday, December 5, welcome to The Bill Press Show. Good to see you today, and thanks for joining us online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Thanks for joining us uh, on television, on Free Speech TV, coast to coast, and on the radio out in the greater Chicago area on the great WCPT. Good to have you with us today as we roll through the big stories of the day and look forward to your comments on Twitter, uh, at BP Show, in studio with us from uh, HuffPost White House correspondent, SV Dante. Uh, so, Sharish, you were there at the White House yesterday when the president walked out to get on Marine One uh, I was. to go over to uh, Andrews Air Force Base and then out to Utah. 
where um, you had a, the president. He really can't resist uh, when he's walking out to the he helicopter. To he loves yeah. to really stop. Well, uh, n- not always. Okay, n- and, not, and yeah. one hint that we have at the White House uh, in the press corps is: Has he been tweeting that morning? If the answer is yes, then he probably has some elaboration to do on that, <laughs> right? And he and he wants to explain exactly how strong he feels on that. That's kind of what he did. I mean, he came out there and he talked about right. Utah and the Bears' ears and how it's going to be great for states' rights and somehow the stock market too. Yeah. And then he was asked about what about Mike Flynn? Yeah. So and here he is on. Uh, here he is on um, Mike Flynn. Well, I feel badly for General Flynn. I feel very badly. He's led a very uh, strong life, and I feel very badly. <laughs> feel very badly for him. Right. Over very strong word. life. Over the He's best a very strong life. I you love my friends who have led a very strong life. Well, I'd, I'd originally transcribed that as long life because that made more sense. But then I thought, well, no, he's still alive. <laughs> so then I went to the, the better recording of it and heard, no, he said strong. Yeah, so. you, know, you can usually go with the thing that makes less sense. Right? <laughs> I think you're probably a safer right. bet there. Uh, but he, well, look, can I tell you just on that? I had pooled the very first full day of this administration, oh, right? Wow. Which was Saturday that he went out to the CIA. Oh, that's right. Oh, and gave that speech. True. Okay, and I didn't know at that moment whether the uh, the process that was in the White House, where the you know you have the you have the stenographer who's going to record this all and then transcribe it all. I didn't know whether that was in place. It was a Saturday. I had no idea, and it, it, whether the Trump folks were there to try to clean up the speech because it was an amazing yeah. 20, 20 minutes, and it literally took me more than an hour and a half to transcribe it because <laughs> I would go through and then read a transcribe half the sentence and then do the other half thinking what it should say yeah, and then yeah. I would go back and listen and say no it's different and so that's amazing yeah that was that's, that's the a, one that's where they yeah. said that the uh, the CIA people who were there were uh, just they, they had all voted for him and that there were a million and a half people apparently at the inauguration except the fake media weren't explaining that and all, uh, and he was standing in front of this memorial to, right. to uh, the officers who had died in line doing it I was People, the folks there were, they were pretty stunned by what. Stunned, yeah. amazed, uh, shocked, and a little bit afterward when they when he talked to someone, yeah. a little bit pissed off. Yeah. So. Um. So then the president went on yesterday, but coming back to yesterday, he can't just talk about Michael Flynn and how sorry he feels for him, um, this rogue agent as they tried to call him. <laughs> uh, but um, he has to get a dig in at Hillary. Right. Uh, Hillary Clinton lied many times to the FBI. Nothing happened to her. Flynn lied, and they destroyed his life. I think it's a shame. So what is the evidence he provided that Hillary lied None. to the FBI Not many at all. times? No evidence. In and fact, and Comey said just the opposite. He, he did. And if, if he really does know this to be true, then he would have to have access to the files on Hillary Clinton, and he and must have read through them and actually have known what... I, I, I don't believe that's true. I, I believe he just said that uh, without regard to whether it was true or not, as he so often does. And uh, that's his way of trying to equate. What about Hillary? What about Uranium One? What about, you know, the uh, wiped emails, bleached bit? I mean, it just, you know, uh, I don't think Robert Mueller is paying much attention to that. I think he's <laughs> got a job and he's doing it, and that's making the Trump folks and Trump well, we've asked this question all during the campaign and now during the presidency so far for 11 months. Um, is there no concern for the truth? No. No. <laughs> I mean, there is. I guess that I mean, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's an answer. Ask an answer. <laughs> it, uh, there is some 
with a, a number of people who work in the White House. I mean, they don't like saying things that they know to be not true. And, I, and I've seen facial expressions of people giving briefings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, you ask them a straight question where you're making them choose between the truth and what the president is saying. And then they often say what the president is saying. And clearly they're not happy about it. You know, so on the one hand, they don't have to be there. They could quit. On the other, some of them are in positions where do you really want the president to replace that person with someone from Breitbart, for example, and you know, uh, and and so, take over that job? So you know, right. think it through. I mean, I, I have colleagues who sometimes get very upset about uh, John Kelly, you know, saying something that was factually incorrect about, for example, Congresswoman Wilson. Right. Let's think this through. If if he were to fire John Kelly or John Kelly were to quit, who are you going to get? Who the president would one respect be to be afraid of? Because I think both of those are true with uh, with John Kelly, uh, and has a fair understanding about um, national security issues, which is probably pretty important in this White House, particularly with the chief of staff. Did he talk to you at that uh, that little uh, impromptu news session? Uh, anything about Roy Moore, or did, did that come later? Uh, yesterday, you mean? Yes. No. Uh, the, the president had wanted to answer one question. And it was regarding Flynn, and because we, you know, we were shouting all manner of questions, including yeah. uh, Roy Moore, because we'd already seen the tweet by then. We had not yet mm-hmm. seen the statement which they put out a little bit later, based on the phone call which he apparently made from Air Force One. We had asked him about other things, and you know, the one that he wanted to answer was about Mike Flynn. So, you know, which is fine because we wanted to hear what he had to say. But he, um, you know, where. Uh, um, it, I, I was surprised at how effective he was yesterday in reversing what had up until that time been the Republican Party's position on Roy Moore, as as enunciated by Mitch McConnell or Paul Ryan or Jeff Flake or uh, uh, so many other Republican senators and the RNC, right. which is we want nothing to do with this guy. Yeah. Right. Uh, but Trump never went never went there. He was sort of left it up in the air for a while, and then right. he does his tweet, then he calls him and endorses him, and then you've got Mitch McConnell who backtracks, <laughs> yeah, all these other senators who backtrack, and uh, the RNC starts pumping money in. I mean, so he he just revert 180 degrees on the RNC. Well, the party, the party had to do a 180. The president yeah. never did a 180. The right. president just right. didn't talk about it for a little while based on the advice he was getting, but you yeah. could tell. You could tell that he was not happy about backing away from Roy Moore because, let's remember, the president is accused, credibly, of walking into the uh, dressing room of a teen beauty pageant with yeah. girls, not women, girls, who are dressing and undressing, and here walks in Donald Trump. And not a young man. You know, it was not when he was in his 20s or 30s. This was, when I believe, when he was in his 60s. So... Uh, I, maybe he empathized with the accusations against Roy Moore. Uh, you know, we've we've read reports that he uh, now is denying that that was him on that Access Hollywood tape. So uh, I was surprised when we had seen from the, the White House say, "Well, we're taking these very seriously." Um, I kind of scratched my head and said, "Well, why why is he saying that? Because he's accused of kind of the same kind of stuff." And here we are now. The president is opposing his will. Now it was very interesting. We saw the statement from the RNC. We are basically an arm of the president. We'll do what the president says. Yep. The president wants to do this. <laughs> so that they made it very clear why they changed. Yeah, look, the pre- I mean, the president <laughs> is the head of his or her political party. That's just how it goes, right? Like, I don't think that the RNC is going to make a decision without at least running it by the 
the leader of the party. Yeah, I mean, what you say is correct. De facto, in by rule, he's not really right. Right. right? right I mean, right, so and right, if sure. they wanted to buck him, they could. Um, and it was very interesting that they decided no. He brings in a lot of money as a sitting president, yeah. and uh, and he's going to be on the ticket probably next time around. So we're going to do what he wants. Okay, in the meantime, they've got a midterm coming up, and every single senator is now going to be asked, every single Republican senator oh, on bet. the ticket. So what do, you, what do you think about Roy Moore? And the likelihood that they would refuse to seat him. I don't know how they do that. Uh, legally, it's gone. You know? They yeah. can still try to expel him. Um, but no. but even that like even that possibility I think is gone with with what Mitch McConnell exactly. is now saying. Exactly. Let well, the people the, of Alabama right. decide. The voters want this, then so, so all be of it. them. All but, of them have turned. Yeah. All of them have turned on this. It's, it's, right. it's exactly what happened with Trump after the Access Hollywood tape. The Access Hollywood tape came out, and all these religious conservatives came out and said, "Oh, this is too far. We can't support Donald mm. Trump anymore." And then about. Sure. <laughs> a week or so later, yeah. two weeks later, they said, well, we can't endorse him anymore, but we are going to vote for Donald Trump because yeah. he's not Hillary Clinton. I just want to point out, there's one exception to that. Jerry Falwell Jr., who was the leading evangelical True. in the country, never wavered. Yeah, He said the women were lying. Donald Trump was saying yeah. the truth. He said the same thing about Roy Moore. Yeah. Man. Uh, and don't you, you sort of indicated this, that in a sense, I think Donald Trump identifies with Roy Moore, doesn't he? They're oh, both accused of yeah. the same stuff, and they both took the same approach, which is just flat deny, out deny, call the others losers, uh, and call liars. the others liars. Right. Yeah. yeah, right. And if you deny it, it never happened. And, it, and, and uh, there, evidently, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> you know, and there are active lawsuits, so uh, yeah. we'll see how this goes, and eventually, maybe the president will have to mm-hmm. give a deposition or something under oath, and we'll see what he says then. But right. I think we're in good shape. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You're in good shape. Right. Um, all right. So the, the big question this week is, who wrote the tweet <laughs> <laughs> that says, I fired Michael Flynn because he lied to the FBI? Yeah. Math, uh, John Dowd or uh, Donald Trump or Dan Scavino? Yeah, well, that's an excellent question. Um, I don't know. Do you? I mean, this. <laughs> you're right. Who, who do you believe wrote it? It sounded like something the president would say. Yep. And even if John Dowd wrote it, right, who sent it? I'm wondering about the process of how the president's yeah. defense lawyer gets around to writing one of his tweets because I've not. In fact, it was very funny. Uh, he was interviewed about this, wasn't he? And he was asked, well, how many of his tweets have you written? And didn't he say like one and the last one and yeah, no yeah. more? Yeah. <laughs> so um, why did he write that one? I don't know. Uh, it has, I have no idea. But. We've been told, you know, at the yeah. briefings, I've been there, you've been there, when Sarah Huckabee Sanders has said the presidential tweets are official pub- presidential statements. Yeah, that was uh, that was, was funny, that, but th- was that, that, that was Sean Spicer. Spicer. But still, Spicer. I mean, it is the president of the United States saying something. How is it not a presidential statement? Yeah, right. <laughs> whether, no. re- whether he scribbles it on a note or he says it on the radio or he uh, types it out on, in uh, 280 characters, does he know about the 280 yet? I don't know. Oh, yes. But, oh, yes. Uh, but in any event, <laughs> He's gone over. It's, a, yeah. it's a presidential statement the president has said. And that was very funny. Early on in the administration, I remember Sean Spicer getting really angry at a question about, because he had said something not quite meshing with, with a presidential tweet. And he yelled at the reporter saying, what? Are you kidding me? Here I am on this podium talking to the country and you're comparing it with a tweet? And then not long afterward, yet, well, you know, uh, of course, presidential, you know, when the president tweets it is an official statement of the president. <laughs> well, right. yeah. 
uh, how could it not be? Right. I mean, more than well, anything else. It is, is. So we've talked a lot about um, over the last few months, over the last <laughs> two years, about Donald Trump's tweets getting him in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them have come close to that. He's always overridden. Them. This is one that could really get him in trouble, isn't it? This is problematic. It, uh, the, because for remember now, he had actually denied. I'm pretty sure he actually denied this once on Air Force One. I didn't know that Mike Flynn had lied to the FBI. That was the story. That's mm-hmm. what he said that. he. So now for him to say the, that's the reason he fired him, right? So he fired him in mid-February, and either I think it was the very next day, perhaps? Yes. That, uh, yes, he asked Comey to. Right. right. And that's coming from, from Director Comey, yes. <laughs> right? And so yes. this is not some right. random, uh, mm-hmm. you know, off-the-record, you know, deep background source. This is Jim Comey in testimony saying under this oath. is under oath saying the President of the United States asked me to basically dropped the investigation to Mike Flynn. And, and, and we now see, based on that tweet, that that was two weeks after he found out that Mike Flynn had not only lied to Vice President Pence, and that was the you know the reason originally given, that oh, was so terribly lied to, to, to Pence, uh, but he also lied to the FBI. It always struck me as a little odd even back then. It's like, okay, well, maybe the underlying conduct ought to have been the reason for the dismissal, mm-hmm. not the fact that he lied about it to the Vice President. But... And and there was also the two week gap between finding out and this happening, but n- nonetheless. So if if we allow, if he if he knew that Flynn had lied to the FBI, mm-hmm. and then the very next day, knowing that Flynn had lied to the FBI, he asks Comey to drop the invas- investigation into Michael Flynn. Right. We're getting into obstruction of justice territory. Well, we got into that territory when he fired Jim Comey. Let's remember. Yeah. I mean, and then told the Russians. <laughs> right, reportedly told the Russians, "Boy, now I've got some freedom because they're putting a lot of pressure on me for, on yeah. this Russia stuff." Yeah. So no, the the obstruction came with the firing of the FBI director who's leading the investigation into him. Um, this is another piece of that, perhaps, but I, I don't know. I don't think it's the it got us into that territory by any right. means. So Ty Cobb uh, apparently is still telling the president that the Mueller investigation. Uh, doesn't touch him, and is going to be over soon. Yeah. Do they believe that at the White House? Uh, probably not. You know, it's a nice thing to say to the president because it calms him down probably. But <laughs> remember now, uh, Ty Cobb is not defending the president. Okay, we, we get it, – it's a little hard to keep track of this, but Ty Cobb is a White House employee to, and representing the White House, and he's basically coordinating um, – witness appearances and uh, production of documents, et cetera. He's there to work Hmm. as a liaison to the Mueller investigation. So if you want to know where this thing stands with the president, then you've got to get uh, Mr. Dowd to tell you that. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Dowd says that uh, when it comes to obstruction of justice, they're not worried about that either because the president can't be charged with obstruction of justice. Sure, that's fine. You know, they can say that. I mean, um, they can say many things. They have said many things. But I, I, Richard Nixon said that. I think he was out of office after by the time he said that, though, right? Or, or maybe, No, I think maybe he was, was still, still in was office when he Frost said that if a president does it, it yeah. is not illegal. Yeah, was that 73? Uh, either, either way. Yeah. That's, 
when you're going back to Richard Nixon as you're to, <laughs> to defend yourself, um, but it didn't. It didn't You've fly. Lost. It, N- Richard Nixon, Nixon had to leave the White yes. House. Remember that, right, <laughs> okay, so right. maybe that's not a, no, a best exactly. argument to go. To. No, he said it, but it didn't fly then, right. as it doesn't fly today. You know, right. we, we mentioned earlier both Richard Nixon and Bill Clinton. Their articles, articles of impeachment against them, including included obstruction right. of justice. So in the last 40 years, two presidents have been charged with obstruction of justice, and then Dowd turns around and says, there's no legal basis for doing so? Well, you know, this is America. You can say what you like, so, uh, okay. (laughs) Doesn't make make it true. (laughs) 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 So with all of this, is this going to make any, are we going to see any change in Donald Trump's uh, tweet, tweet storms? No, why should they? No, I mean no, he, this, no. Yeah, <laughs> he enjoys this. This he he I. I this is he, him. He really believes I don't, has that he this works. This morning, I haven't even. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, I. I had to get off of Twitter because it was just a. That's it, right. It was you too did. Much. He's, yeah. too much. He believes this. This is good for him. He believes that this connects with, and yeah. he has a he has an understanding of his base that uh, isn't necessarily. Uh, jibe with how things work in electoral politics, right? Yeah. I mean, if he can he can be loved by 31, 33, 35% of the people, you don't win elections like that, right? And he, uh, he, he did win the yeah. Electoral College last year, but um, appealing to that small percentage, I, I don't know, is the, is the way forward if you want to win re-election, but this is what he likes to do. This is what he thinks is effective. I mean, he can do things that no other politician can do. I, and and that, that I think I, I said not long after he won the election. Yeah. I, I think I, I would hope that politicians don't look at Donald Trump and say, well, this is the blueprint as to how to win, right? Because I think he can get away with things because he is Donald Trump. Okay, well, let me, let's pause at this. What if the Russians hadn't helped? Would he have won? I mean, it was literally 80,000 votes <clears throat> across three states. Uh, he got millions fewer than his opponent. Right. Okay, so right. <laughs> this, uh, the whole right. idea of him winning, he won mainly states that Republicans vote for, uh, uh, their candidates. So to to look at 2016 and say, yeah, this is the way forward for the Republican Party. Right. I mean, you know, this is... Uh, and they will... And the, and the reasonable, smart people in the party will tell you, no, that's nuts. Yeah, this right. is not... This is not a, a useful blueprint for anything, and right. we got lucky, yeah. um, and we'll see how lucky they get if, if this Mueller thing continues and this goes badly for them. So I'm curious. Um, I don't go to the briefings as often as I did under President Obama. I don't get that much out of them, frankly, and I there's a lot, a lot of other stuff going on. You're there almost every day. Were you invited to the White House Christmas party? Um I was not initially, but the one I, as I stated that I would like to come, they they, they oh. offered me an invitation. And that happened, I think, for many people. Uh-huh. Many people yeah. who I think who are not on the original list who then said, hey, you know, I cover the White House, and um, I'm here pretty much every day. What's going on? Just about everyone that I know of who then asked got one, right. which then made me wonder, what did they gain? By, yeah, right. That's a good question. You know, by, I, by I was this. not this invited. Is, I did not. Yeah. Seek an invitation either. So yeah. I, I can't hold that against them. Um, so tell us about the party. Um, did we? I've gone to under 
President Bush, President mm-hmm. Clinton, President Obama, many of those Christmas parties. They're in the evening. There's a lot of booze. The president stands there for two hours and has his picture with the first lady, has his picture taken with every single reporter and their guest. How How is this party different? Well, you know, I, I was... I honor, I'm going to honor their off-the-record request. I mean, the, the whole event was off-the-record. But uh, they did say, going in, that uh, there would be no photo line. And there wasn't a photo line. Right. Yeah, you know, that was that was yeah. accurate. Yeah. Uh, it was in the middle of the day, not the evening. Yeah. Um, and at, at the time, certain they encouraged everyone to leave. And so <laughs> that's... <laughs> Uh, and how much time did how much time did the president spend there? This has been reported. I just oh, want... uh, two minutes and eight seconds. <laughs> two minutes and eight seconds. Uh, during right. which during which time he did what? He uh, he had some remarks, and then he left. Not lengthy remarks. Two minutes and, and eight two minutes seconds. eight seconds. <laughs> you know, it's lengthy to one person is uh, whatever. Shake hands <laughs> with whom? Anybody? Uh, you know, it was very crowded. I don't know. Yeah, right. So, uh, <laughs> so you, uh, you didn't exactly feel the love, I guess. Is what. I'm... Well, I mean, in fairness, though, I mean, when uh, when President Obama was was taking pictures with I don't know five hundred people in a span of two hours, whatever it was, um, how much time did he spend with each person? You know, I mean, it was kind of like a, a, a Santa. Yeah, well, in fairness, more than visit. Donald Trump, he spent two hours. Well, uh, standing I, I, I get in line, that. which I get is that. but, uh, but uh, with each, each individual guest, it was no more than like fifteen or thirty seconds. I would say, you know, uh, but, with with the President Obama. So, but every um, single guest who went—that's true. Yeah, that's true. Right. Uh, but but so, can, can I just yeah, <laughs> offer this? If he had a photo line, I think a lot of reporters <laughs> would have been very awkward about yeah. participating. In that. So, yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait. During his two minutes, did he say "Merry Christmas"? Because I heard I heard Christmas is coming back. He's bringing Christmas back. Uh, I he don't said, recall, but it, I do recall that it wasn't as flamboyant a love of Christmas as we've seen in other remarks. It's my tremendous honor to finally wish America and the world a very merry Christmas. All right. Because remember are. that Christmas trees were banned under the Obama administration all across the country. <laughs> yeah, that's right, it, right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Wait, no, that no, didn't right. happen. Right. No. Yeah. yeah. Christmas. <laughs> Christmas. No. El- Elves were living in squalor. Yeah. No, Santa no, Claus was was locked I up. I came in the into work <laughs> on December twenty fifth last year. Yeah, no. I completely spaced that <laughs> no. Christmas. It was the holiday season. He's bringing. He's <laughs> no. right. He's bringing Christmas back. How do you find working uh, there every day? in the briefings and being the object of basic open warfare against the media. Has he attacked HuffPost by name yet? Um, he did, I think, during the primary. I I don't know that he even notices us. Because you know how he reads stuff is if people print it out and put it in front of him. Because uh, we're mm. not a broadsheet, but we're not a print publication. So yeah. uh, the only way he would know about us, because he doesn't really surf the Internet, is if someone were to print out an article and put it on his desk. Yeah. Well, no one's going to do that. Right. <laughs> Why would someone do that? So uh, I, I don't know that he knows that we exist. <laughs> you know, whatever. But we do our job, and uh, we have an obligation to yeah. you know, cover the White House. That's but, what I mean, do. so is, is, that the, is that the answer? I mean, that's the question I'm asking. <laughs> what, do, how do you, what do you see your job in a hostile administration? 
be honest, the same as in the previous administration, where you, you know, find out what they're doing and let your audience know. And it's harder under this administration because uh, they're openly, you know, they're they're mean at, uh, unnecessarily. They they don't let fo- facts get in the way of pretty much anything, and. But and that's a challenge. But you know what? I mean, the, the facts are still out there, and you can still get them, and you can still report them. And whether they want to participate in the story or not, that's up to them. That I think is the, is the biggest difference. Is like, look, for so long, Washington D.C. Uh, journalism has been built on source based reporting and having good connections inside the White House to get the story. And, like, there's still some of that by right. when you look at leakers and people who want to get the story out there. But no administration has been so blatant in their, uh, I want to say disregard, but it's really just hatred of the media, that, like, they're not going to participate in this stuff. But you're right. It doesn't change the fact that the, that the truth is still out there. Yeah, I mean, the kind of stories that I can't do um, – are the insider? I mean, the president's not going to call me on his cell phone, right? Right, that's not going to happen. Right. Um, and if you're in that category, and there are some reports, yeah. mm-hmm. um, especially that's fine, Fox, especially at Fox News. Yeah, you'd be surprised with some of the folks they call. You know, one on one at night with no one else. I, so um, that's okay because I'm not. Inter- I've never ever been interested in access. I mean, mm. if and you, sometimes you get it anyway. I mean, and that's the way to do it. I mean, as a reporter, they ought to tell you stuff because they're afraid of what you're going to report and they want to be in the story, not because and not because you agree to get something out 10 minutes before they're going to announce it anyway. That's insane. I mean, that's the worst kind of scoop that you're giving away what in order to get something of value for a few minutes. I mean, they're always going to get their message out. Right. And our job is to get out the message that otherwise is not going to get out. No, I think that's absolutely right. Is that the. The only, the, the, you know, the the, res- the response to Donald Trump is just to do your job, right? And do yeah. your job just the way you always did it and do it every day and poke for the facts and ask the, ask the tough questions and report it as it is. And then if they don't like it, tough, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You no, know, I mean, the, their tax plan is the tax plan. There are things in it that have consequences, and we can report those consequences. Um Regardless of whether they choose to give an interview with us about how wonderful it is, I mean, because... In the end, policies matter, and in the end, what they're going to do are actual policies or not do them. Right. And if they don't do them, that's that's newsworthy as well, right? Yeah. This will be the first major piece of legislation that ends up on his desk, first one, and mm-hmm. it'll, it's been 11 months almost, so right. that's telling. Um, hey, at that rate, they're going to get four pieces of legislation through for his entire first term. <laughs> one a year, baby. He promised now 10 things, didn't he? Or was it more than that? In that Bill of, uh, what was that, the uh, the Gettys, his Gettysburg yeah. Address? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to go Remember back. That? We had to go we back. Should and look play, at yeah, we yeah. should go and say. I looked at that at the 100-day mark. And, but, yeah. you know, the, interestingly, before he got to those items on that list, remember the very first thing he promised that mm. he was going to do? Build he was going to sue every single woman. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. He yes. promised Jesus. that. He's promised yeah. he sued none of them. None of them, Just right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that out there. So. Yes, uh, and I think we all know why he didn't <laughs> sue any of them, because he doesn't like losing uh, lawsuits. <laughs> Anyhow, S.V. Date, it's great to see you. Thank, to ha- thanks for your good here. work, and thanks for uh, uh, holding down the fort there at the briefing room, right? <laughs> uh, and keep it up. Uh, you can also you can follow S.V., of course, at HuffPost.com. 
take a look at the elections um, impact of the 2017 elections in Virginia and New Jersey and what's coming up in 2018 for the good friend David Daly coming up next here on the Bill Press Show. Stay with us. Thanks again, Esther. I've served under many presidents, seven to be exact, but none is like the man we have in the White House today. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Hey, hey, Tuesday, December 5, winding up here, The Bill Press Show. With all of you all across this great land of ours, thanks so much for joining us. And, of course, uh, we start out in Washington, D.C., but end up right alongside of you, wherever you happen to be. Jingle bells, jingle bells, time to do some Christmas shopping. Look at this scarf I'm wearing today. Uh, just uh, this, uh, You know, Carol does a lot of beautiful stuff. This one, I think, is one of the most beautiful I've ever seen. It's good looking, man. I love it. And it? it matches your sweater. It does, doesn't it? Um, but it's, it's kind of a little purple and blue and a little black and gray and all kinds of stuff. Any man or any woman would be happy to wear this scarf. You, too, can. Go to our website, BillPressShow.com. Click on the website. Uh, click on the link to Carol Press Scarves, and uh, you can ch- check out these scarves in rayon chenille like this or bamboo that Carol has for this holiday season. For yourself or someone you love, check it out. We welcome to the studio our good friend, author of the great book, Rat Eft, the true story behind the secret plan to steal America's democracy, David Daly. Hi, David. Good morning. Good to see you again. You too. Uh, before we jump into all that you and I have to talk about with Peter, uh, Peter, you have some breaking news. Well, it's not breaking news. I just have a story that I thought oh, would be, be kind of interesting to read here. So for the last 40 years, the biggest source of U.S. greenhouse gas pollution has been... Cows. Power plants. <laughs> oh, power no. plants. Power plants has been the biggest polluter <laughs> in terms of greenhouse gas okay. pollution for the last 40 years. Well, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, that is no longer true. Uh-oh. There is now a bigger source? source of U.S. greenhouse gas pollution, and that source is... Cows. Not cows. <laughs> <laughs> the transportation sector, cars, trucks, planes, trains, and boats. Now, they point out that this is not specifically because... We travel more and that we're using more, but because power plants have been forced to adjust and adapt how they pollute. Well, for now. works. For now. But exactly. Donald, Donald Trump just reversed all of those. He rules. reversed a lot of it. So, yeah, like, so we'll we've. Back to- we're actually seeing some progress here. We're like no, changing we were, things. We were so. seeing some progress. Right. And so now, who knows? Who knows after Donald Trump has his way? All right. We've been talking about a lot this morning with Michael Flynn and. Uh, and Donald Trump uh, accusing Hillary of lying uh, when James Comey had, Comey had said that's not what didn't happen at all. Uh, and Donald Trump full-throated an endorsement of Roy Moore and ordering the Republican National Committee to get back and pumping money into Alabama, which has prompted a few comments here. Jamie? couple of comments this morning. Um, not too many on Roy Moore, believe it or not. Uh, I think it's just an, an evergreen comment. Uh, plenty of people have been weighing in on Roy Moore over the past couple of weeks. Uh, on our Twitter account, at BP Show, and uh, in the YouTube chat room, youtube.com backslash the Bill Press Show, 
A simple comment from Dewey in that chat room. If people dropped politics and political identity and asked each other, are we in trouble and in a constitutional crisis? They would all agree that the answer to that question, in fact, is yes. You bet. Yeah. Uh, Cheryl, weighing in in the YouTube chat room, 45, as in Donald Trump, looks like he's feeling the stress. Those big white puffy bags under his eyes are getting bigger. <laughs> That's a good observation. Over to Twitter, uh, weighing mm. in on Twitter, at BP Show. That's where you can find us. Our buddy Romaine saying uh, yeah. on the U2 monuments, excuse me, U2, Utah monuments, oh. we really didn't inherit that land in as much as we stole it from Pocahontas and her people. I never hated anyone before. I hate real Donald Trump. He is a real monster. Uh, and finally, our friend Susan Shepard on Twitter, uh, a screenshot from a Donald Trump tweet back in 2010, December 23rd, 2010, just two days away from Christmas. Oh, Real yeah. Donald Trump tweeting, wishing everyone a very happy holidays. What? Oh, no. In fact, no. someone, I, I, I did over the weekend, someone compiled a bunch of Trump I, tweets over the past couple of years. He very frequently said happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas, which he says we're bringing it back. No, we're bringing back Christmas. Uh, yes, that's right. We did find out today it's actually the actual holiday that we're going to yes. be bringing back this year because it's Which, been gone. It disappeared for eight years. Yeah. yeah. Keep those comments coming, by the way, on Twitter at BP Show in the YouTube chat room, youtube.com backslash the Bill Press Show. Okay. Well, so, David, uh, the Supreme Court, a big, big case today uh, on whether or not um, uh, any business can deny service to a same sex couple. The, the, the question. The case in point is a bakery out in the Denver area that refused to do so. But an upcoming case that they've yet to decide is they've heard the arguments, but they haven't reached a decision yet, is the um, redistricting case right. in the state of Wisconsin. Right. What's the impact of that, and where do you think they, how do you think they go? It's potentially a huge impact. I think that you have your finger on the two most important court cases of the year. Um, the... The Wisconsin case arises out of the maps that Republicans drew after they took over the state after the 2010 elections. Gerrymander, right? They completely gerrymandered these maps. And in 2012, Democratic candidates for the assembly in Wisconsin get 175,000 more votes, but Republicans take 60 of the 99 seats and get themselves a supermajority. Uh, so... There ah, has democracy. Exactly, yes, right? Wonderful. We have made America great again. <laughs> um, and so the, the Supreme Court has never in the history of the country defined a standard for when partisan gerrymandering goes too far. Well, this looks like it could they be the They may case. have finally gone too far. Yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> you have uh, four justices, the uh, four liberal justices, who are, I think, eager to try to find a solution here. You've got the four conservatives who are not particularly concerned, who are not particularly interested in dragging the court into every dispute over partisan map making. Um, and then you have Justice Kennedy in the middle, who in the past has been open to a standard, but has wanted something clear and easily definable uh, so that it could be applied by lower courts and ideally taking the, the Supremes out of it. For a while. Right. And the question becomes whether Kennedy sees enough here to finally create a standard and end this. So if he does, would they just say that um, – can they say 
that state legislatures can no longer draw districts, there has to be an independent commission doing so? It would be really interesting if they if they go that way. I do not think that they will do something they quite probably, as extreme as that. Well, there could be, I mean, there could be a real state's rights issue if, with that kind of a yes, decision. Yes, I think that's right. Um, my sense is that the best that we can actually hope for here is a limited remedy that that reigns in the very worst and most excessive partisan gerrymanders. And there are so many of these right now, and it really does tip the, the balance in Congress. A state like uh, Pennsylvania, more votes for Democratic candidates, but Republicans have 13 of the 18 seats in Pennsylvania. Ohio is the bellwether state in the country. Republicans have 12 of the 16 seats. Michigan, more votes for Democratic candidates usually. Republicans have nine of the 14 seats. If you add up a whole bunch of swing states, including North Carolina, Virginia, Wisconsin, um, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan, you've got 49 Republicans and 20 Democrats out of these states. And the Republican advantage in Congress is only 24 seats, Mm -hmm. but they get a big bump out of the way that they've drawn these lines, and they've essentially grabbed unearned seats in in swing states across the country. Now, it is so fundamental, and it underlies everything else we're yes. talking about, right? Any, whether your interest is in education or environment or tax policy or financial policy, whatever, right? The, the underlying argument here, I think, money in politics is one, and gerrymandering is the other. We want representative democracy to work. We want our elections to function properly. And time and again this decade on these maps, because the technology is so good right now and the data is so exacting and the, and the computer software is so sophisticated and precise, you have seen Republicans walking away with super majorities in state legislatures and congressional delegations even when they earn fewer votes. Um, and I think it's, it's, it, what have it's we very learned? dangerous. What have, what have we learned? Uh, it hasn't been a long time. Uh, that some states have yeah. gone to a taken it away from the polit- politicians from the legislature to a commission, independent commission. And are they drawing any fairer districts? And is there more balanced representation in those states? I think in the states that have commissions, you tend to see a little bit more partisan uh, fairness and partisan equity. Uh, not every place. I mean. In some states, a commission simply gives the power to the two parties and they go into a back room and they draw it up themselves. Oh. Um, that's been the case in Arizona. It's often been the case in New mm-hmm. Jersey. You have real insiders just essentially protecting incumbents and elections don't get any more competitive. But in states like Iowa and states like California, uh, commissions have actually gone a long way towards generating a, a more competitive districts. Um, and you've actually seen incumbents lose. Um, and competitive districts are really important to a democracy. What we have now is when all of these districts are safe, and essentially 400 of 435 districts in the country are completely safe and not swing seats. What? what? 400? 400 of 435. We're down to about 35 swing seats in the country. Districts? Districts. 40? In the enti- 35 wow. in the entire you country? You could pretty much... Whoa. Exactly. But that... <laughs> so uh, that that almost means that the House will always remain in the control of one party, right? Doesn't uh, it? Or? I think that this decade it is it is probably likely to. Democrats are going to need a 
10-point advantage in the popular vote in 2018 if they want to take back the majority in the House. I'm not going to say that's impossible, but it uh, there is a, an embedded structural advantage for the Republicans um, in all of these districts, and it has allowed essentially none of those seats to turn this entire decade. You have not had a congressional seat go from red to blue this entire decade in North Carolina, in Pennsylvania, in Ohio, in Michigan, or in Wisconsin. So if the Democrats want to carve into the Republican advantage, it is hard to find enough seats to do this. Well, I was just thinking of Georgia. That was that would have been one. That didn't work. Didn't happen. There were, what, four special elections and this year? And they all held. Uh, all, Kansas, Montana, South Carolina, and Georgia. All held for all Republicans. All held by the Republicans. Um, these, uh, these are days of... A very hardened partisanship, so as you've been there talking are, about. There are there have been more 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 reports, particularly after November seven. Yes, that um, the chances of Democrats getting the House back in twenty eighteen have improved. They've improved immeasurably. But They've certainly improved. I think it's still difficult. I mean, let's look at Virginia. Democrats won fifteen seats in Virginia. It was many more than I imagined that they could possibly take back in the House right, of Delegates. Right, but. They got 240,000 more votes statewide for, for the House of Delegates, and that still was not enough to take back control. Republicans run the chamber. Yeah, the, the, 51, the House 49. of Delegates ended up 51 49. So 240,000 more votes was not enough to take back that, control. A margin of, of 240,000. That is what Democrats are up against in all of these state legislatures, and it's these state legislatures that are going to be drawing the lines again after the 2020 census for the next a decade. So this is an important topic. But at the same time in Virginia, before we get too much gloom yes. and doom, oh, absolutely. Right, uh, it's worth pointing out that um, they did pick up 15. 15 seats. It's amazing. Today it's 51-49. Before it was something like 62, 66-34. 66-34. It, okay. it was a yeah. huge wave, Right. but there's also a big red firewall. Yeah, but there's also a Democratic governor. Yes. Right. So, and that was the most important election in the country this year. Yeah. Democrats will have veto power over bad maps, and uh, I think Democrats right. have got to be looking at that approach in other states in 2018, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Florida, and Pennsylvania. If Democrats can, can win the governorships in those states in 2018, they will have veto power, and it's a step towards fairer maps no matter what the... The Supreme Court does. Right. So we got this. Uh, what mechanism are we going to have to draw fairer, fair maps or fairer maps? That's one big yes. front. The other front is building, the, electing the Democratic governors who, well, members, Democratic, flipping the state legislatures yes. back to Democratic. And if you can't quite do that. Take the governor. Take the governor. Short term plan, long term plan. Yeah. Right. At least have veto power. What are, the, what are um, yeah. those uh, states, again, you think are key? That you, the you five most important states next year in this are going yeah. to be Ohio, Michigan, Florida, uh, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. The Democrats already hold Pennsylvania, so they need to hold Tom Wolf in place in Pennsylvania. Um, and Republicans have the other four states, but you have a term-limited uh, governor in Ohio in, in John Kasich, mm -hmm. and you've got a, a pretty interesting Democratic candidate in in Rob Cordry going back home to uh, run for governor. 
You've got a term-limited Democrat, excuse me, a term-limited Republican in Michigan and Bill Snyder. Uh, so it's going to be, excuse me, Rick Snyder. Uh, Bill Snyder's the uh, football coach at Kansas right. State. I think he's term-limited <laughs> these days, too. <laughs> Florida, is Rick Scott up for, for re-election, or yes. is he term? Yes, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and then uh, these are not going to be Wisconsin necessarily, is Scott, is Scott uh, Walker, and he'll be up again. Can he run for a third term? He can term? run for a third term. Hmm. So it'll, so the... These are key elections. There's a lot oh, going yeah. on next year. Um, and I think that, that there's a split within the, the, the party in many ways as far as where resources ought to go. I think that there's a, um, a lot of people right now who want to throw money into these governor's races and into kind of a rebuilding a state infrastructure. Um, you know, this is Terry McAuliffe. This is Eric Holder's group, o- Obama's group at the National Democratic a redistricting commission who were sort of thinking long term. And then there's another group of Democrats who were very focused on trying to take back the House in 2018, to have a committee power, subpoena power, to be able to go after Donald Trump. This is, you know, Tom Steyer's group and a lot of kind of the uh, money on the on the, the, the activist left, you know, certainly Nancy Pelosi and the House Democrats, you know, feel a wave coming and they want to yeah. be sure that, that they have candidates. So it's important that uh, Democrats are working on on both of these fronts. So there is a there was a blue wave on November 7. Uh, there most certainly was. Right. Uh, not just in New Jersey and uh, Virginia, but as we talked as we've talked since then about there were a lot of Washington state yes. and Oklahoma there were pickups across the country in state legislative races, mayors races all over. Is that blue wave still rolling? <laughs> What's it building? Or I whatever? think we will Are we still surfing the blue wave we all will the way learn into 2018? S- we will learn something in Alabama next week, right? Yeah. Um, oh God! I think don't... I think we'll have a sense of 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 whether there are voters who believe that this has gone so far that they simply can't support um, a a you know someone who can't be trusted to hang out at the Orange Julius, um, <sighs> you know, maybe isn't someone who that they want in the you know in the in the U.S. Senate, well, and I, I just don't think we can hold up Alabama as yeah, an example of anything. Other I think it's than, very difficult. You know, but a, 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 if Democrats are able to take it, if they're oh able God, to take yeah. a state that essentially but, is you know two thirds Republican, that would be a sensational sign uh, that you know wind is at their back heading into 2018. Um, I wouldn't overreact if they lose it. I mean, that, it is it is a bright red state. If Roy Moore wins, it doesn't mean that the blue wave has no, disappeared. No. It doesn't mean Democrats have lost any chance of 2018. I don't it's think It's an so. aberration. With a, it's Alabama. With Alabama, yeah, with a pedophile and, 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 a, and a Republican Party now and a president of the United States who said we'd rather have a pedophile than yeah. a Democrat. Which, I mean, which is a r- remarkable sign of where we are as a country with hardened partisanship and just an unwillingness to be able to talk to one another. Disgusting uh, it's disgusting side of where it's, we it's, are. It's, um, and where the Republican Party is. It, it's amazing to me that the Democrats are so afraid to even go in. You, ha- you haven't really seen anybody except Joe Biden down there, um, you know, trying to make the, the case for, for Doug Jones. Um, well, I, I think the problem is the that brand they recognize is poison. That, the, that, that that would be a yeah. kiss of death for it's Doug a Jones. Really, it's a really hard line he has and to walk, right? I'll ask right? you, who would they send? 
That's a great question. Yeah. Who, who, who would you send? Barack Obama? You can't no. send Obama. Hillary? You can't hell send no, Hillary. Hell you, no. you can't send Bernie Sanders. No. Um, that is, you know, that, that that's a troubling sign. Uh, John Lewis. I think John Lewis has been uh, John Lewis there. Was I there? Uh, Joe Biden and John Lewis are the two who were, were there. It's a. He'd help in Birmingham, yeah, right? But yeah, like well, outside of the woo. cosmopolitan nope. city that Birmingham is. They're trying to is. keep the National Democrats far yeah. away, but you know. Somehow they have to activate the African-American base there, too. That's 25% of the electorate in Alabama. Um, It's a big part, but it's also uh, like so much of the African-American voters in Alabama are centralized around Birmingham. I mean, a lot of the rural Alabama voters, I mean, they are still very much Trump voters. I think that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if Trump says, I got to have Roy Moore, it's not even, they don't even give it a second thought. Yeah. Like a child molester is 100% better than a Democrat in their eyes. That's why I've decided to stay away from Alabama. I don't, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't want to do anything that would uh, endanger no. uh, Doug Jones. I'm sure but, not going uh, to the malls. You, you know, an interesting yeah. thing that we haven't talked about yet, and I know we're just about out of time, but like if this does happen, if Roy Moore does get elected, I think there needs to be a nationwide movement where we say no more business to Alabama. Bands oh, yeah. have got to say no more concerts in oh, yeah. Alabama, oh, no more conventions in Alabama. They're talking about that already, yeah. and, and there are a lot of business leaders in Alabama who are very worried about this they should I, be republican business leaders uh in in alabama so david uh boy for a quick uh, review of the electoral landscape uh good job we thank you today for always coming a in. pleasure thanks everybody always good to see Stop. you uh you can follow david daly on twitter dave daly three how about that at dave daly three the rest of the day is yours make the most of it i'll come back and see us tomorrow this we'll be is the it. bill press show